0: Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I want to welcome you to our first sermon podcast of 2022. And as we get started into this new year, I want to begin by wishing you and yours a very happy new year, and I hope that you can feel God's presence in your life all year long. And as we get started into the new year at Melbourne Heights, we are actually continuing on in a series of sermons where we are exploring some of the events and stories that take place during Jesus' time on earth to better understand who Jesus is. And we're calling this sermon series Mosaic because just like when you add a new piece into a mosaic work of art, it makes the picture a little bit clearer for you. With every story that we explore from Jesus' time on this earth, we get a clearer understanding of who Jesus is. And in this episode sermon, we are exploring an unusual story from Jesus' life, the kind of story that leaves us wondering about a whole lot of things. So this week, we're going to be exploring the story of Jesus' baptism to see what it has to teach us about who Jesus is. So let's get right into this episode sermon. So last week here at Melbourne Heights, we started into a new series of sermons that we're calling Mosaic. And throughout this series of sermons, we're going to be exploring different stories, different pieces from the life of Jesus to see what these stories can teach us about who Jesus is. And just like adding more tiles into a mosaic work of art creates a clearer picture, every story about Jesus gives us a clearer picture of who Jesus is. Every story about Jesus gives us a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And the story that we're going to be talking about this morning, it takes place when Jesus is standing on the edge of a river. So I want you to try to imagine the scene. Jesus is standing on the edge of this river, and his feet are slowly and gradually sinking into the soft ground along the riverbank. bank. He's, his eyes are watching the water slowly trickles downstream. "'He lifts up his foot and takes his first step into the water, "'feeling the cool current sweep water all over his toes, "'and soon his foot strikes the bottom of the riverbed, "'and he can feel the jagged stones "'pressing into the smooth skin on the bare feet of his soles. "'He's now standing ankle-deep in the water, "'and the current is splashing water up "'gently against the edges of his clothes.' With another step, he's now knee-deep into the water. Soon the water passes his hips, and it rests just below his chest. And as he's standing there, chest-deep in the river, Jesus couldn't be in a more ordinary place. And that's because he was surrounded by water. Water is the most common chemical compound on the face of the earth. Water covers about 70% of the earth's surface. Water makes up about 57% of the average person's body. So let's just be honest here. There is nothing that is more ordinary than water. Water is the stuff that fell out of our shower heads to help us get cleaned up as we got ready for church today. Water is the stuff that flowed over your coffee grounds and trickled down into your coffee pots to give you the caffeine kick that you needed to get started on this second day of a new year. Water is the stuff that flowed out of our faucets to help us brush our teeth or shave our faces this morning. Water is the stuff that fills up our washing machines and our ice makers. Water is what fills up our glasses when we sit down for lunch or for dinner. Water is the stuff that kids splash around in on a warm summer day when they're out visiting the swimming pool or the beach. Water is the stuff that fell from the sky all day yesterday and into the morning today, hitting our windshields on our cars and the umbrellas that we carry over our heads. And when it comes to water, all of these things are just the tip of the iceberg. And, oh yeah, water is the stuff that makes up icebergs, too. But regardless of how many forms it takes or how many uses we find for, It's just plain old, ordinary water. But when Jesus was standing in this river, it was more than just ordinary water around him. As a matter of fact, as Jesus was standing in that river that day, he was standing in an extraordinary reminder of God's history with humanity. And that's because the water that Jesus was standing in that day the waters of the Jordan River. And the Jordan River has a long history with God and God's people. The Jordan River that Jesus was standing in that day was the same Jordan River that the prophet Elisha once had a foreign general named Naaman to go and wash himself in after Naaman had been inflicted with leprosy. And as a leper, Naaman would have been forced to the fringes of society. He would have been forced to leave behind his family and his friends. He would have been forced to leave behind his prestigious position and his king's army. But when he stooped down and washed himself in the waters of the Jordan River, Naaman was clean. So these ordinary waters weren't just ordinary for Naaman. Because when Naaman washed in the waters of the Jordan River, these waters restored his health. These waters restored his family. These waters restored his career. These waters restored Naaman's very life. And that's just one example of how the Jordan River is an extraordinary reminder of God's history with humanity. That's because the Jordan River was also the same river that the people of Israel once stood beside as they awaited the return of their king. You see, their king had been forced from his throne by a rebellion that was led by the king's own son. And even though this rebellion was defeated and the king's son, named Absalom, was killed, that left a vacancy, that left the throne of Israel empty. So the people of Israel, they went and they stood along the banks of the Jordan River, watching and waiting to see if their king would return. And then David, Israel's greatest king, the one who was anointed by the prophet Samuel, comes and he crosses the Jordan River. And as he crosses the Jordan River, he officially ends the rebellion that was led by his son. As David crosses the Jordan River, he brings an end to the way that the people of Israel had for their king to return. And as David crosses over the Jordan River, the rightful king once again sits on the throne of the nation of Israel. But this, too, is just one reminder of God's extraordinary history how it shown at the Jordan River. And that's because the Jordan River is the same river that a weary people once stood beside as they waited to go home. 400 years earlier, their ancestors had been forced to leave their homes because of a severe famine and a severe drought that left them with no food to eat and no water to drink. So their ancestors had gone south, down to Egypt, in an attempt to find reprieve from this famine and this drought. And when they arrived in Egypt, they found food to drink, and they they found food to eat and water to drink. But they also soon found themselves living under the oppressive thumb of Egypt's Pharaoh. Soon, they were enslaved, and they lived in slavery for four years. But God heard the cries of his people, and God delivered them from their slavery, so they were able to return to the land that their ancestors had been promised by God. And they stood on the banks of the Jordan River, waiting to cross over and go back home. As their religious leaders took their first steps into the waters of the Jordan River, God acted, and God caused the Jordan River to stop flowing, so the people of Israel were able to cross the Jordan. on dry dry ground, and as they crossed over the Jordan River, they were able to leave their oppressive past behind them. As they crossed over the Jordan River, they were finally able to go back home for the first time in generations. As they crossed over the Jordan River, they were given a clear notice that God always keeps his promises. This, too, is just one reminder of how the Jordan River shows us God's extraordinary history with humanity. And ultimately, that's because the Jordan River is made up of water. And water has been a constant reminder of how God has been at work in our world from the beginning. It's because water is what God once parted as the people of Israel stood by the Red Sea so that they could cross on dry ground and have safe passage as they fled from captivity in Egypt. And water is what God caused to flow from rocks as the people of Israel traveled through the desert, going back from Egypt to the land that God had promised to their ancestors, so the people would have something to drink. And water is what once covered the surface of the earth during the times of Noah. And water is what the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 1, tells us, that the Spirit of God hovered above when God began to create heavens and the earth. And now, the most extraordinary element in God's history with humanity stands in the ordinary water of the Jordan River, waiting to be baptized. The Gospel of Mark, or Mark's biography of Jesus, records this story for us in Mark chapter 1, verses 4 through 11. So let's take a look at the story of Jesus' baptism together. Here's what Mark writes. John was baptizing people in the desert and preaching a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. All the people from Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him. They confessed their sins and were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes that were made from camel's hair and had a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. This is what John preached to the people. There is one coming after me who is greater than I am. I'm not good enough even to kneel down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from the town of Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Immediately as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven open. The Holy Spirit came down on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, my love, and I am very pleased with you. So as the story in the Gospel of Mark begins, we are invited into an ordinary day in the life of John the Baptist. As we find John the Baptist in the story, he is wearing his ordinary clothes. And his ordinary clothes just happen to be made out of camel's hair. And John is eating an ordinary meal of locusts and wild honey. And John is preaching his ordinary message of the forgiveness of sins. And he is going about his ordinary business of baptizing people. And then something extraordinary happens. Someone shows up in this story that John the Baptist isn't even worthy of kneeling before to untie his shoes. Someone shows up in the story who is going to baptize with fire. And that someone... Jesus. And at that point in the story, what we would expect to happen is that Jesus would thank John the Baptist for all of the work and all of the ministry that John had done during his career. And we would think that Jesus might compliment John the Baptist for all of the wonderful sermons that he's preached. And we'd expect that Jesus would give John a big pat on the back as a way of showing his appreciation for all of the people that John the Baptist had baptized. But at this point in the story, we also expect that Jesus is going to take the reins from John the Baptist because Jesus has shown up on the scene and Jesus is greater, far greater than John the Baptist could ever be. So at this point in the story, we would expect that Jesus would take the reins and that Jesus would start doing the preaching. And we would expect that crowds would start flocking to the shores of the Jordan River to hear what Jesus has to say. And we would expect that Jesus is going to start baptizing way more people than John the Baptist ever did. But instead of getting what we expect in the story, we get the unexpected. Instead of getting the ordinary in the story, we get the Extraordinary. And the Extraordinary happens when Jesus steps down into the waters of the Jordan River and he asks John the Baptist to baptize him. And after John the Baptist lifts Jesus back up out of the water, we're told that the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. And that a voice from above speaks and says, You are my Son whom I love, and I am very Pleased with you. This whole scene in the Gospel of Mark, it's so extraordinary that all we can do today, thousands of years removed from when this story took place, is kind of sit back and scratch our heads and wonder about the whole thing. And let's be honest, there is a lot to wonder about inside of this story. Like, we can wonder about what it looked like when the heavens opened up and this Holy Spirit descended down like a dove. And we can wonder if Jesus was the only one who actually got to see what it looked like. We can wonder what the voice of God sounded like when God spoke his message declaring that Jesus is his son whom he loves and is very pleased with. And we can wonder if God's voice sounds like the smooth, bass voice of James Earl Jones or maybe God's voice sounds like the slightly cracking draw of Morgan Freeman. But I think the biggest thing that we all end up wondering whenever we read this passage scripture, is why did Jesus have to be baptized in the first place? Why did Jesus have to be baptized in the first place? Because we, it's easy for us to wonder this, because we are a part of a church tradition that teaches us that baptism is a symbolic act where our sins are washed away. But Jesus didn't sin. So Jesus' sins didn't need to be washed away. So why did Jesus need to be baptized in the first place? And we've come up with all kinds of different answers to this question. We thought that maybe Jesus needed to be baptized in the water that day as a way of showing all of us who would follow Jesus in our lives how we're supposed to begin our public relationship with God. Or we thought that maybe Jesus needed to be baptized in the waters of the Jordan River that day, because in these waters our sins are symbolically washed away, so maybe Jesus is symbolically taking our sins upon himself to carry them to the cross for us. Or we thought that maybe Jesus needed to be baptized that that day as a way of honoring and recognizing John the Baptist for all of the work that he's done, and setting John the Baptist apart from so many other prophets that came before him. We've wondered if maybe Jesus just wanted to be baptized that day because it was a hot day out in the desert and he wanted to be immersed in water to help cool down. We've wondered a lot about this story. But have you ever wondered if we've been wondering about the wrong things when it comes to this story? Have you ever wondered if we've been asking the wrong questions when we look at this story? Maybe we're not supposed to be focused in on why Jesus needed to be baptized in the first place, maybe there's another question we should be asking. And what question is that? Well, I believe that the Bible is a written record where God reveals who he is to us. So when we are reading this story or any other story or passage in the Bible, there is always one question that we need to ask. And that question is, what does this story tell us about God? What does this story, what does this passage tell us about God? So when it comes to this passage that we just read about Jesus' baptism in the Gospel of Mark, what does this story tell us about God? Or what does this story tell us about God as he is made human in the form of Jesus Christ? And there are two important things that this passage tells us and teaches us about our God. And the first thing that this passage teaches us about our God first thing this story tells us about Jesus is that in some ways, Jesus is ordinary. In some ways, Jesus is ordinary. Now, I know that that may be unusual or strange for you to hear, and that may even be upsetting for some people to think that in some ways, Jesus is ordinary. But let me take a minute and explain what I mean before you start getting upset with Okay? What I mean when I say that in some ways Jesus is ordinary is that in some ways Jesus is just like us. Just like us, Jesus had to drink ordinary water in order to survive. Just like us, Jesus needed to bathe in ordinary water to clean himself up when he got dirty. Just like us, Jesus splashed around and swam in water in order to have a good time. Just like us, Jesus cried tears, mostly made up of ordinary water, when he was hurt or sad or upset. So Jesus is just like us. In theological terms, we refer to this as the imminence of God. And what the imminence of God is, it's a fancy way of saying that God is up close and personal with us. God is up close and God is personal. With us. So what this means is that Jesus really is just like us. Jesus knows about all of our highs and all of our lows, all of our joys and all of our sorrows, all of our pain and all of the pleasure that we can experience in life. Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry and Jesus knows what it's like to be well fed. Jesus knows what it's like to have a good time and Jesus knows what it's like to be upset. Jesus knows what it's like to be surrounded by friends and Jesus knows what it's like to be all alone. Jesus knows what it's like to be an ordinary person like me and like you. But that's not all that this story has to teach us about who Jesus is. This story also tells us that Jesus is extraordinary. Jesus is extraordinary. Because not only does Jesus know what it's like to stand chest deep in the waters of the Jordan River, Jesus knows what it's like to tell the Jordan River to stop flowing and have it stop flowing so the people of Israel could cross over on dry ground. And not only does Jesus know what it's like to be immersed in the water, Jesus knows what it's like to walk across the top of the water. And not only does Jesus know what it's like to be baptized in ordinary water, Jesus knows what it means for us to be baptized in fire. In theological terms, we talk about this as the transcendence of God. And the transcendence of God is a fancy way of saying that God is greater than we can possibly imagine. So when we think of the transcendence of God, we think of the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. We think of the God who was able to tell the Jordan River to stop flowing and have it actually happen. We think of the God who was able to heal someone of a disease like leprosy with nothing but ordinary water. So in this story, the story of Jesus' baptism, It reveals to us a God who is up close and personal with us. It also reveals to us a God that is beyond anything that we can imagine. Our God knows what it's like to be thirsty. But our God also knows what it's like to be able to cause water to flow from a rock so that we can have something to drink. Our God knows what it's like to get dirty. But our God also is able to wash away anything and everything that makes us unclean. Our God knows what it's like to cry tears of sorrow. But our God is also at work taking away all of the tears from our lives. Our God knows what it's like to hurt. And our God also knows what it's like to be at work to take away all of our pain. This is who our God is. Our God is imminent, but our God is also transcendent. Our God is up close and personal, but our God is also beyond our imaginations. Our God cares about all of us, but our God is also able to do something to help all of us. But what does all this have to do Well, last week when we started into this series of sermons called Mosaic, I told you that each week we're going to get different pieces that we can add into the picture of who Jesus is. But ultimately it is up to us to figure out how these pieces fit into the bigger picture of who Jesus is. So, what we need to think about is how this story changes the way that we think about God. More importantly, we need to think about how this story changes the way that we live our lives as people who follow Jesus. And one of the things that this story can teach us is simple yet profound. The simple part is that this Jesus that we read about in the story of his baptism, this Jesus that we're talking about every week during the sermon series, he's no longer walking this earth with us. But the profound part, that Jesus calls us as people who follow him to be his hands and his feet, to be his presence in the world today. So if we want to be Jesus's presence in the world today, then we need to be just like Jesus. We need to be people who are up close and personal with each other and with all around us, and what that means is that we need to care about the person who's sitting beside us in our sanctuary space or in our living rooms today, and it means that we need to care about the person that may serve us our meal when we go out to lunch after the service ends, and we need to be concerned that our waiters or our waitresses are making enough money to take care of themselves and their families, and we need to be concerned about people all around us who are in need, whether they are hungry or homeless or have something else that's going on in their lives, but we can't stop there. We can't stop with just being up close and personal. We have to go the next step, which Jesus does, and we have to do things to actually help each other out. So yes, we need to care about the people that are sitting beside us in our sanctuary space. What that means is that we need to look at them and have conversations with them, figure out what's happening in their lives. We need to spend time praying for each other. And, yes, we need to be concerned about the person who is going to serve us our lunch when we go out to lunch after the service ends. And we need to be concerned that they're making enough money to take care of themselves and their families. But we have to do our part by leaving a generous tip for our waiters or our waitresses. And, yes, we need to be concerned about people who are hurting around us, whether they're hungry or homeless or whatever else. But we need to be willing to do our part to financially support people, to give to ministries, to missions, to organizations that can help people that are hurting, to pick up the phone and make calls on behalf of someone else, to do what we can to help those who are in need. Because that's what God does. That's who God is. Our God is imminent, and our God is transcendent. Our God is up close and personal, and our God is greater than we can possibly imagine. Our God cares about all of us, but our God is also able to do something to help us. So as followers of Jesus, we need to do the same. We need to get to know and care for the people around us, and we need to do what we can to help each other. And we all need help as we've realized so many times with all the things we've faced over the last few years put it as simply as I possibly can for you, if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to be his presence in this world, then we have to be just like Jesus. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are thankful for the story that we've heard today of Jesus' baptism. And we're thankful for the reminders that we see inside of the story about who you are. You are a God who stood in the ordinary waters of the Jordan River. But you are a God who has done extraordinary things through the waters of that river. You healed Naaman of his leprosy. You parted the waters so that the people of Israel could cross over as they returned from their slavery in Egypt. You use waters just like the waters that we find in the Jordan River to symbolically wash us all clean. God, you are an extraordinary God, a God who reaches down into our lives and helps us along the way. God, help us to do the same thing for each other, help us to be present in each other's lives, to care about what's happening, but also to do something when we can to help each other. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope that this episode has helped you better understand who Jesus is. Jesus is a God that is imminent and a God that is transcendent, a God who is up close and personal with us, but also a God who is greater than we can imagine. Jesus is a God who cares about us and is also able to do things to help us. Us. And as we seek to follow Jesus in this new year, we need to do those same things. We need to care about each other, and we also need to be willing to help each other whenever we can. So I hope that you'll find ways to help other people, not just this week, but all throughout this new year. Well, in our next episode, we're going to continue to explore additional stories from Jesus' life to see what those stories have to teach us about who Jesus is. So we hope that you'll join us when our next episode drops next Tuesday morning. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're in that app, don't forget to leave us a rating and a review to help spread the word of this podcast to other people. And also, you don't have to wait till next Tuesday to join us for another sermon. You are invited to join us any and every Sunday, Sunday morning at 10:30 a.m. Eastern time on our church website at mhbclouisville.com slash live. We would love to have you with us. Well until next time I hope that you guys have a great week and a great beginning to this new year. I'm praying for you and we'll see you back here soon for another sermon podcast.